welcome to This Week in Video Games, episode 65. My name's Tom Kershaw, and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. So this week, I've been playing Spider-Man Mars Morales on the PS5, plus we've had the traditional end-of-year show with the Game Awards 2020, and I'll be bringing you a roundup of all the news. I've also been playing a few indie titles, including the returning Sam and Max Save the World Remastered, and a brutal little fighting game called Unto the End. There's a busy show as always, let's get to it. Welcome to the show everyone, I hope you're well and you're having a good week. I'm pretty good this week and Christmas is rapidly approaching and this year it's likely to be different from most, but I hope you manage to have a decent Christmas given the very odd circumstances we're all in at the moment. But there is some good news. 2020 is nearly over and 2021 is just around the corner. Talking about 2021, I've got big plans for this week in video games and I would love to include more community features. So check out the Patreon for this week in video games and if you sign up to the smallest tier of $2 per month, you can contribute to the show by sending in questions, comments and video game stories and you also get that warm fuzzy feeling for supporting This Week in Video Games and keeping the engine running. At the $5 tier you'll get early access to the podcast plus there's higher tiers for getting shout outs on the show in videos and podcasts as well as your name in the show notes as a producer. So check out patreon.com forward slash This Week in Video Games for more information and sign up today. Right, that is enough plugging from me, let's get into what I've been playing this week. So this week I've been playing Spider-Man Miles Morales, which is the follow-up to 2018's Marvel Spider-Man, and this is a top game and a nice welcome to Next Generation, and I'll get to my review of that first up in the show. We've also had the Game Awards 2020 this week, and as well as the awards there were a few surprises too. Sam and Max have also returned to us in Sam and Max Save the World Remastered, developed by former Telltale Games employees from a studio called Skunk Ape. And finally today, I'm going to let you know about a nice indie gem called Unto the End. Well, I say nice, I mean it looks nice, but this one is rather like a puppy Rottweiler. It's cute, but it's very, very dangerous. Well, first up this week, let's check out my review of Spider-Man Miles Morales. Spider-Man is back, albeit with a new man under the mask, and to kick off next-generation consoles in glorious style. So this is a follow-up extension to one of the best games of 2018, and Insomniac have a new set of tech tools to play with to show off what they can do. And this is a much more condensed experience than Spidey's previous outing, but it's big on heart and a great demonstration of the power of the PS5. Spider-Man Mars Morales is also available on PS4, but if you do have the PS5, then this is the perfect title to swing into. It's the closest you're going to come to controlling movie-quality graphics, plus all the added benefits of the PS5, so like the haptic feedback and the HD audio, making this game one of the first must-plays of this generation. This isn't quite Spider-Man 2, so expectations should be held in check. However, in a time when there's about four or five 80-hour games out, this is a breath of fresh air, and to be honest, I'd love to see more condensed stories like this. It was never going to be an easy thing following up on 2018's masterpiece that was Marvel's Spider-Man. However, Miles Morales builds on nearly everything that made 2018's titles so great, plus adding some extra features and a new lead character that has all the charm and wit you'd expect of a Spider-Man title. 
Into the Spider-Verse introduced many of us to Miles Morales, and this draws from the same humour and charm that the movie did, and does a great job with Miles, the slightly reckless Spider-Man in training. The game is set about a year after the first game, and we're given a quick catch-up at the start if you either missed that game or happened to forget the events of the original. Miles and Peter meet up in the opening mission of the game to take on Rhino after a reckless Miles tries to help, but unfortunately frees a bunch of enemies and Rhino himself, leaving Peter badly beaten and bruised. Miles discovers some powerful new abilities in his battles with Rhino and leaves him out cold and eventually saves the day. And Peter, he's called away with MJ and the Bugle on assignment, leaving Miles as the only New York Spider-Man for a few weeks, and he's also a little bit shell-shocked but excited at this news. Swinging around the city feels fantastic as it always has, so swinging from skyscraper to skyscraper, running up the face of the building and leaping off mile-high structures has never felt more fun. This is quite literal too with the haptic feedback and the graphical improvements, with Miles adding his own personality to the traversal, feeling slightly awkward and squirming all over the place, making him feel not quite as fluid as Peter Parker, but unique to Miles himself. There's an element to Miles and the way he moves, suggesting he should be wearing some kind of L-plate, and in his own way, he's really, really charming. So this is a game where travelling from A to B just feels fantastic. Some recent games, like Red Dead Redemption 2, sometimes you just want to skip to the destination, but Spider-Man rewrites the rules in in-game travel and makes it a joy every time. This is further enhanced by the power of the PS5 in either of the graphical modes, so you've got ray tracing 4K capabilities, or you can play in 60fps, but both look and feel great. And you can feel the webbing hook into the buildings, and sometimes when you rush and dive off a building, your heart goes into your mouth. Sometimes I genuinely felt a little twinge of vertigo as I dove off a huge building only to shoot out some webbing at the last minute to fly through the Big Apple and then web zip forward to land gracefully on some traffic lights. And this has to be a new benchmark for traversal in games. New York has been given a look of paint too with new missions and the whole place it breathes like a bustling city should. As you travel around, you pop in and out of missions with ease, and the power of the PlayStation 5 once again comes into focus, as the loading times are barely even there, able to load massive areas with incredible detail in seconds. Combat feels really good once again, and it shouldn't come as a surprise of the original game, as the game flows from combat to exploration in a very seamless manner. One minute, you're going to be on top of the building scouting out the zones. Next minute, you're going to be web shooting and duffing up a bunch of bad guys or the latest big bad boss. It's worth mentioning here that the opening scene with Rhino is a spectacular start to the game. So Rhino bursts out of his armoured vehicle, Peter scraps with him while Miles takes care of some smaller minions, and when it's Miles' turn to take on Rhino, you end up riding him through a mall as he struggles to get away. It's an opening scene that's second to none and really sets the scene for the game. When it comes to combat, Miles has a few tricks up his sleeves including camouflage, where he can go invisible for a few seconds, and he's also got his venom abilities which flow through his body like electricity, allowing him to charge up some seriously heavy attacks with punches and acrobatic kicks. Miles' new abilities give you a new path to explore in the skill tree, plus a new dimension to battle. Spider-Man Miles Morales builds on the first game in so many ways, so given the success of the first instalment, Insomniac's job here was to tweak and add small little additions. It definitely didn't need a massive rework. 
Miles works great as the lead from a narrative point of view, but also from a gameplay perspective too. So Miles' mum, Rio Morales, plays an important role in the game, and also Gankly too, he's great. So Miles' close connections play a big part here, and it leaves you with a warm, fuzzy feeling once you've played it. I can't say too much about the extended cast without giving it away, but there are some fantastic characters in here. Gameplay and action-wise, this is very high up there on the charts. However, the story does run out of steam a little bit, perhaps demonstrating it's more of an expansion rather than a fully-fledged sequel. No doubt Insomniac will be back bigger, better and more impressive with a Spider-Man sequel in the not-too-distant future. But it would have been nice for this to fully embrace next-gen and leave behind PS4 diving headfirst into PS5. And I know that doesn't make the most business sense from Sony leaving the 100 million plus customers with all the PS4 install base out there without a Spider-Man this holiday season, but in some ways the game feels a little bit held back by the previous generation. This is always the way with new consoles and you don't really get a clean break. As many of the titles come out, they straddle the border between last-gen and next-gen. I would have personally preferred the game to be more like Demon's Souls and taking on the full capabilities of the PS5, but I guess we're just going to have to wait for that one. I haven't personally played it on the PS4, but I have heard there are some bugs present. My experience on the PS5 was fairly fluid, and since I started playing, there's also been a ray tracing 60fps mode added, which is just glorious. And I still can't help but feel Insomniac were holding back a little bit in terms of features, which seems like an odd thing to say given the graphical and performance fidelity of the game. It's hard to convey through videos and writing or podcasts, but looking at Demon's Souls next to Spider-Man, there is just a simple difference. Overall, Spider-Man Miles Morales is a great expansion to 2018 Spider-Man, more than living up to the high expectations that that game set for itself, and in many ways, it exceeds it. The combat is enjoyable as ever, the traversal and the movement are fluid and fun as you'd expect. And given it's 2020, and I imagine it's been tough to make a game like this working from home, I can't help but get excited for what Insomniac may have in store for us next, now knowing the capabilities of the PS5 and the talent that they have in their studio. All in all, it's a great PS5 game that respects your time and doesn't outstay its welcome. So the game was developed by Insomniac Games, published by Sony Interactive Entertainment. It's available for the PS5 and the PS4, and originally released on November the 12th, 2020, and November the 19th in the UK. Well, that is it for my review of Spider-Man Miles Morales, and let me know what you thought of the game by signing up to Patreon at patreon.com forward slash thisweekinvideogames. I would love to hear what you thought of Spider-Man Miles Morales, whether you're playing it on the PS4 or the PS5. Well, that is it for my review of Spider-Man Miles Morales. Next up, let's have a look at the Game Awards 2020 Roundup. So the Game Awards were held on Thursday the 10th of December to end the year in gaming that was 2020. We've had the new console generations release, plus a load of games, and as well as the awards from the show, there were a few surprises too. So first up, let's check out the announcements from the show, and then I'll go on to the awards themselves. So one of the biggest reveals of the night was the return of Perfect Dark, which is being developed by The Initiative from Microsoft Studios. The game is still being developed, and it's in the early stages by the sounds of it, but it's great to hear Joanna Dark is coming back, which will likely be an Xbox exclusive. The game looks set in the near future, and the cinematic was impressive, but I'll hold judgement until we see some gameplay, as we've been down this route before recently with Halo. 
Still, it's an exciting announcement and one that was speculated for for the Microsoft reveal back for the Series X first party games when they were announced. So talking about Microsoft, Master Chief has been announced for Fortnite, so if that's your thing, you can jump into Fortnite and play Capture the Flag on Blood Gulch, which is kind of incredible if you think about it. So first, Fortnite was a better Avengers game than Avengers, and now it's trying to be better than Halo Infinite. It's just totally rude. And Microsoft has also confirmed Flight Simulator for Xbox Series S and X, and the Cyberpunk car is coming to Forza Horizon 4. Bioware had a few big announcements with a new trailer for Dragon Age, and the cinematic was pretty vague, but it appeared to suggest the continuation of the story following Inquisition. Bioware also showed off a teaser for the new Mass Effect game, which appears to be headed back to the Milky Way, following a cool reception from Andromeda. In another excellent Smash Bros. Ultimate trailer, Sephiroth was shown off as a new character in Smash, and he looks like he's going to be a great addition to the game, which has absolutely broken the boundaries in terms of crossover characters, rivaling what Fortnite is doing right now, because they've got Kratos and now they've got Master Chief. Back for Blood was also announced, which looks sort of like a successor to Left 4 Dead, and made by many of the same team. The Callisto Protocol was shown off too, which is being developed by the producer who brought us Dead Space, so that's Glenn Schofield's Distant Studios. And this one looks pretty terrifying as a survival horror set in space. Arc 2 with Vin Diesel was also announced as well as Oddworld's Soulstorm, that's been given a date of Spring 2021. So loads of Yakuza games are also coming to PC and Xbox Game Pass, and the Elder Scrolls Online had a nice trailer which teased some kind of Oblivion crossover or the return to the same landscape which looked very exciting for fans of that series. Open Roads is the next game from Gone Home and Tacoma developer Fulbright which is being published by Annapurna. So they tend to pick and choose excellent games to publish so this one might be one to look out for. Season also looked very good, which is some kind of exploration game, and this one is coming from Scavenger Studios, which are pretty aptly named. It Takes Two had a trailer which is about a couple who turn out to be dolls, and this one is from Haze Light, who made the innovative A Way Out. Disco Elysium, the final cut was announced too, which is going to include new chapters, and Among Us, the 2020 hit, also revealed a new map. Well that's pretty much it for the major announcements, so next up let's have a look at the awards themselves. So The Last of Us 2 won the Big Game of the Year 2020 award, plus six other major awards in a big night for Naughty Dog. The sequel to The Last of Us won Best Game Direction, Narrative and Action Adventure Game 2, and Laura Bailey, who plays Abby, took home the award for Best Performance. Final Fantasy VII Remake won Best RPG, plus Best Score and Music, and Among Us, which has been a massive hit of 2020, won the Best Multiplayer Game and Best Mobile Game. The game for Impact went to Tell Me Why, and Fall Guys team won Best Community Support. And you can check out a full list of the winners on thisweekinvideogames.com, just go to the homepage there and you'll find the summary of the Game Awards at the top of the page. Well that is it for the Game Awards Roundup, and next up let's have a look at the all-platform charts. So at number 10 this week we've got Marvel's Avengers, that's down 3 places from last week's number 7. Number 9 this week holding steady at Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Another 8 this week it's Minecraft, another one holding steady. And at number 7 this week it's Just Dance 2021, and that's up 3 places from last week's number 10. Number 6 this week holding steady it's Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales. And at number 5 this week it's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, down 1 place from last week's number 4. 
Number four this week, it's Assassin's Creed Valhalla, up one place from last week's number five. And number three this week, it's Animal Crossing New Horizons. Number two, it's Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. And still in at number one, it's FIFA 21 from EA. Well, that's it for the all-platform charts this week. And interesting stuff, there's no new entries there, but it looks like Nintendo continued to dominate 2020 with Super Mario All-Stars and Animal Crossing New Horizons still in there at number three. And we've also got the Evergreen Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I'm not sure that has left the top 10 in the two years that I've been doing this podcast. Well, that is it for the charts this week. Next up, let's have a look at Sam and Max Save the World Remastered. Sam and Max Save the World Remastered is here, and this is a remaster of the Telltale Games 2006 Sam and Max outing. So the duo originally arrived on the scene in 1993, with Sam and Max hit the road, so they're a beloved set of characters in gaming. This latest outing, which I played on Nintendo Switch, has got gorgeous graphics, classic Sam and Max humour, and the game has been brought up to the standards of modern day games in more ways than one. Sam and Max are two freelance police officers, so Sam is a huge six foot dog, who looks like he's just come off the set of the latest Dick Tracy movie, and Max is his crazy rabbit buddy. They're on the case as it emerges there's a mass hypnosis scheme going on with Brady Culture, a charismatic leader who's managed to hypnotise a bunch of former TV stars known as Soda Poppers, and these stars are causing trouble all over town. So Sam and Max have to gather clues, collect items and solve puzzles through six episodes in the game to save the day, or even the world. The game was developed by Skunk Ape, who are made up of former Telltale Games employees, and they acquired the rights to Sam and Max and wanted to bring the much-loved duo back, and they've done a great job. So Telltale made the original Save the World games back in 2006, and they went on to produce some of the best narrative games in the business, but Sam and Max were a starting point for many, and it's great to see the team go back and revive them and bring them up to modern-day standards. The story in the game follows a similar arc in each episode, so Sam and Max are called upon by a collection of characters to help them out with local problems, and then after solving a few puzzles and sorting out some of those problems, it's time to move on to the next episode. The episodes themselves don't outstay their welcome, they're full of humour, and the puzzles are pretty fun. The humour in the game tends to swing from genuinely very funny to hit and miss pretty quickly. But there is a scene early on with Bosco, the local shopkeeper, where he's listing all the things that get to him, and that had me absolutely laughing out loud. However, some of the humour can feel a little bit dated, and things can get a bit repetitive when you're trying to solve some of the puzzles, hearing the same lines over and over again. The controls were a bit of a challenge on Nintendo Switch, so normally I play this type of game on PC, where I've got the freedom of the mouse, but playing this on Nintendo Switch did take a little bit of getting used to with the Joy-Cons. With a mouse, you can drag around on screen and look for items and kind of explore the screen for clues, which is much in keeping with the Sam and Max detective theme. With the Joy-Con, however, you can use the right stick to highlight different areas of interest, while a useful function, it did feel more mechanical than exploration. And I don't think this would have been an issue if I'd have played with a mouse. Sam and Max, as the title suggests, are definitely the stars of the show. They've got a wonderful chemistry together and they're both well written bouncing jokes off each other as they verbally battle other characters in the game. Puzzles in the game like this always have a challenge of striking the right balance, and the team behind Sam and Max have done a great job. The puzzles have just about the right balance of difficulty to keep you interested, but they're not too hard as to put you off. Solutions tend to be on the side of ridiculous, but they're also funny too, 
and you definitely feel like you're inside or directing a living cartoon. And it reminded me a lot of the early LucasArts point-and-click adventure games like Day of the Tentacle in a really good way. So this is a remaster and some of the features that have been included have had updates. There's a widescreen mode and controller support as well as enhanced graphics and audio. The graphics look great, although rather than being completely redone I believe the original graphics had an upgrade rather than being fully remade. I did test this out on my monitor and also handheld mode on Nintendo Switch and the game popped from the screen in glorious colour and detail. The controls have been given an upgrade too, so rather than control Sam by pointing him around the screen like you normally do in point and click adventure games, you can control him directly with the Joy-Cons. This sounds like a small detail, but it certainly made things much easier and also made for a more immersive experience as I felt like I was in there with Sam and Max. The touchscreen on the Nintendo Switch has also been given support too, although I felt it best to play with either the Joy-Con or the Pro Controller. In terms of the performance of the game, it runs great, again having tested it in handheld, mode or connected to a monitor. There isn't much loading to speak of and it feels really stable and smooth. So Sam and Max Save the World Remastered is fantastic fun. Perhaps you remember these guys from the 90s or the early 2000s and you're playing because you enjoyed their adventures as a kid. Whether you're new to the series or remember them from the past, Sam and Max offer a fun-filled adventure through a number of episodes and they're going to keep you entertained with their jokes, their puzzles and the crazy characters and many of the features have been improved with the remaster. So if you were on the fence before, I definitely recommend checking out Sam and Max. So the game was developed by Skunk Ape, is available on Nintendo Switch and PC via Steam and was originally released on the 2nd of December 2020. I'd love to hear what you think of Sam and Max and if you've got any Sam and Max memories. So sign up to Patreon at patreon.com forward slash This Week in Video Games and you can get access to contributing to the show for the lowest tier of $2 per month. I'd love to hear from you. And yeah, let me know if you've got any stories about Sam and Max. Send in your questions, your comments or your video game stories and I'll read them out next week on the show. Well, that is my review of Sam and Max Save the World Remastered. Next up, let's have a look at Unto the End. Unto the End is a 2D sword fighting game where you trudge through snow, ice and wind, battling the elements, as well as your fair share of sword armoured foes. And there's plenty of sword fighting as well as exploring in this neat little indie action adventure. Unto the End is primarily a sword fighting game and it's one that's going to test your patience, wits and skill, but mainly your patience. Rather than fight hundreds of enemies at once, like say the recent Hyrule Warriors, these fights are against a single, tough foe, and fight for your life you will. The battling in the game is likely either to A, frustrate you massively to the point of wanting to turn off the game, or B, you're absolutely going to fall in love with it and sing its praises for many years to come. I think it's highly likely it's either going to be one of those two, and maybe not so many in between. Enemies just mean business in this game, full stop. You know, they're going to batter you, they're going to test your skill, your nerve, your patience, much like from software games that have come before it. And there's a nice little practice mode in here where you can practice against your wife of all characters and she'll train you up to be a hard warrior if you have the patience for it. Much like other Souls games, it's all about studying your opponents and understanding their timing and their moves. So once you learn your foe, you're then going to be equipped to beat them. However, this means going in and learning in the first place. So grab your sword and start hacking away. 
The fights don't always seem that fair though, which may add to the frustration as blows from enemies seem to somehow bypass your blocking moves, leaving you wounded and close to death. The best advice I can give you really is to learn your enemy patterns and just try not to get hit at all. There are a few checkpoints in the game though which will come in handy as you're going to need a rest to patch yourself up. These did feel a little bit few and far between and the game could have been a little bit more generous. I know this is supposed to be a hardcore fighting game but to many this is going to put people off. Also enemies do appear to have unfair abilities whether they be ranged spear attacks or the ability to turn on a sixpence when your main character feels somewhat sluggish and laboured. Perhaps he's just too tired, you know, the enemies appear to have magical reflexes that put yours to shame, blocking even the swiftest attack that would seem impossible if you were in their shoes. As well as striking enemies with your sword, there's a barge attack that allows you to get in a follow-up, but the timing here does feel a little bit fast. You'll get it, but it's going to take a hell of a lot of practice to master the combat here, and you can also throw out a dagger, which can come in handy. There is a whole bunch of fighting, yes, but there's also the exploration part of the game too. So caves and other dark areas are required exploration as you're going to need to find supplies to help you recover from the inevitable stab fest. There are also some environmental puzzles which is a nice alleviation from the fighting and I think you're definitely going to need a rest. Where the game frustrates with gameplay it excels in the visuals and the audio designs. So the graphics they're really effective with the 2D layered environments, well crafted and the animation is really smooth. It's particularly effective when you're in battle. There's a variety of environments including light snowy landscapes which are in contrast to the dark dank tunnels found throughout the game where there's little light to make it through making it hard to see what you're doing sometimes. The audio design in the game is great too which complements the visuals perfectly well. The audio conveys the environment from the very cold exterior to the wind, the creepy tight tunnels you often find yourself in and our little main character's noises as he flies into battle give you a real sense that he's having a tough time, not only in the battles but in regards to the environment and the situation he finds himself in. It's all really immersive and well done. Unto the End is a challenging little game that's either going to delight you or it's going to madden you. I was captivated by the graphics but the combat did leave me a little bit frustrated. This one is kind of like finding a rock in the middle of a forest Pick it up and there's a massive spider underneath. It's challenging, sometimes borderline evil, but for those out there who enjoy this kind of punishment, it's going to be an afternoon or an evening well spent. So I picked this one up on Xbox Game Pass, and if you're a Souls fan, I definitely recommend giving this one a go. So the game was developed by Two Ton Studios. It's available on PC, Mac, PS4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and I played it on Xbox Game Pass for PC. And was originally released on the 10th of December 2020. Well, I'd love to hear what you think of Unto the End, so sign up to Patreon, patreon.com at the lowest tier of $2 to send in your contributions to the show, and I'd love to hear your stories if you've been playing Unto the End. Well, that is it for my review of Unto the End, and next up, let's have a look at what we've got coming up in the next few weeks. So not many games in the next few weeks, obviously, as we have the holidays coming up. So first of all, on the 15th of December, we've got the collection of Saga Final Fantasy Legend. That's coming out on Nintendo Switch. We've got Marvel Realm of Champions coming on iOS and Android. That's on the 16th. Another one on the 16th, we've got MXGP 2020 coming out on PS4, Xbox One and PC. 
And finally, on the 22nd, we got Override 2, Super Mech League. That one's coming out on PS5, Xbox Series S and X, PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. Well, that is it for episode 65. And if you want to get involved in the show, get in contact through patreon.com forward slash thisweekinvideogames or check out the latest on the website at thisweekinvideogames.com. Send in your questions, your comments, and your video game stories. I'm always interested in hearing from you. And I'm also available on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. So search This Week in Video Games on your favorite platform and join in that conversation. Well, as always, thank you so much for listening. And for more This Week in Video Games content like this, subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast app and share it with a friend. To join our community, check out the Discord link in the description. Or you can follow me on Twitter at TWIVG Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it useful, liking and sharing it would really help me out. Otherwise, check out the other podcasts in the feed. Thanks again, and if I don't speak to you before, have a lovely Christmas.